All right, well, today what we want to do is we are actually, for our sermon, this is not a part of a series. We finished a series last week. We're going to kick one off next week. So this is what we call a one-and-done sermon. So what I'm going to talk about today is we're actually going to talk about the Bible. And I know that that sounds revolutionary because all of our sermons are from the Bible. And we're going to be talking from the Bible today, but we're actually going to be talking about the Bible itself. And what we're actually going to focus on today is how we as Christians, we need to make sure that we live our lives in such a way that we are getting the most out of the Bible when we read and engage with it. And that we're actually reading it for all that it's worth. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. How we get the most out of the Bible and how we actually read it for all it's worth. And we're going to look at a few different specific ways that the Bible itself tells us how we should be interacting and engaging with it. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Now, before we get to that, let me throw something out to you just to think about. I would say in general, kind of put the Bible aside just for a second. When you think about literature and books, I would say, I can't say 100% across the board, but I would say probably for most people, I think. I think we all share two common characteristics when it comes to how we engage and interact with books and literature. And this is true, I think, whether you're a reader or you're not a reader. I know some of us like to read. I'm a big reader. Some of you hate to read. That's okay. But whether you're a reader or not, I think there's two similar characteristics most of us share when it comes to how we interact and engage with books. And the first one is this, is that when we read books, we read them as fast as we can. I think that's generally how all of us are. Whether we like to read or not, we try to read a book as fast as we can. Now, if you're not a reader, you absolutely read a book as fast as you can. You probably skim it. You will buy the Cliff Notes version if you can. You'll Google a summary. Like, you know, you'll just, you'll delay forever reading it. But once you start, you want to finish it as fast as you can. You know, that's how it was in seminary. You had, you know, 40,000 books to read a semester. And so I would just have to read as fast as I can. But even if you are a reader... You actually probably read a book as fast as you can because you want to know how it ends. You want to get to the end. You want to see the story, what happens, what's the deal. So I think we generally read books as fast as we can. And the second characteristic most of us share when we read is that when we read a book, we generally only read it once. We typically only read books once. And again, I think this is true for readers and not readers. Okay, We don't read books again. Now, if you're not a reader, you definitely don't read books twice. It's a miracle you read one once, and you are so proud of yourself that you read a whole book. Now, if you are a reader, we generally only read the same book once. Now, there might be some books that you really like that you read more than once, but I hope this isn't true because this would be really weird. There's not a book you've read that you read every day, and you're going to keep reading for the rest of your life, whether it's a fiction book, school book, work for a book for work, whatever it is. We generally only read books once. Occasionally, a person who's a reader will read one more than once. But we generally, we don't do it. So kind of taking those two characteristics in mind, one, that we read books as fast as we can, and two, we generally only read books once. I just want to say this. I think it's human nature in terms of our interaction and engagement with books and literature. Just our natural condition is... By default, we do not get the most out of what we read, and that we do not read books for all they're worth. If we're reading them as fast as we can and we only read them once, there's so much we're going to miss when it comes to books and literature. I can think about books that I have reread, 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that the first time. I totally missed that part of the plot. I didn't see that come. You know, I can notice the things I miss. And so I just want us to understand, we tend, left to ourselves, we do not get the most out of the books that we read. And we don't read books for all that they're worth. It's not on purpose. It's not intentional. We're not being lazy. It's just our nature. Now, I say all that just to make this point. If there is one book that we have got to make sure that we do not allow these two characteristics to influence us and hurt our ability to get the most out of it is the Bible. We have got to make sure that this is the one book in our life that we get the most out of, and it's the book that we read for all it's worth. And so what we're going to talk about today is how the Bible itself tells us we need to interact and engage with it. Okay, the Bible gives us some very specific ways that we are to interact with this book, engage with it, dive into this book so that we will get the most out of it that we can and that we will read it for all it's worth. And so there's actually four specific ways that we're to interact with the Bible, and we're going to talk about those in just a second. Now, before we get to that, I just want to say this. All right, this is my this is my Bible. This book is incredible. This book is amazing. This is the greatest book ever written because it is God's word and God has given it to us. And this book, we're Christians, we have this book. Let me tell you, there are countries in the world where you can't get a Bible. In America, we have more Bibles than we know what to do with. You have a Bible probably on your phone. All right? We have Bibles, and I just feel like, I'm just going to say this, as Americans, we, a lot of times, we don't treasure and honor this book like we should, but it's an amazing thing. This is an amazing book that we need to read, interact, and engage with all the time for our entire lives. I mean, this book is incredible. This book, it tells us about who Jesus was and his life on the earth. This book tells us about the beginning of the world. This book even gives us a little bit of insight into how the world's going to end. All right, this book contains miracles. This tells us who God is. It tells us who we are in Christ. It tells us how we're supposed to live. It tells us how God wants to operate in the earth. This book has a verse and truth for every situation, hurt, brokenness, wound, every circumstance in life. It's God's word. God said, hey, humanity, here you go. And he gave us the word. And it's amazing. This is an incredible book. This is the greatest book ever written. And we need to know this book really well. John Wesley, who is the namesake for the Methodist Church, John Wesley was a brilliant writer, scholar, academic theologian. He wrote books. He was incredibly well read. But it was said of John Wesley that he was a man of one book. More than anything else in literature, his focus and his number one book priority was the Bible, knowing it, engaging with it, interacting with it. And we want to be the same. And so we're going to look at four ways that the Bible tells us that we are to interact and engage with it. All right, some of these, you might have heard of all of these. You might have heard of some. You might have only heard of one of these. But I promise you, they're all in there, okay? So let's go through these one at a time, the way we're supposed to interact with the Bible. Number one is we're supposed to read the Bible. I know, that's, I am really smart. I know, that's a revolution. That was worth my seminary degree. I learned that. But we, do. we read this book. We're supposed to read the Bible constantly. We're supposed to be reading this book. It's a book. You read books. And this is the primary way in which we're supposed to interact and engage with the Bible. So whether you read one chapter a day, maybe you read two chapters a day, maybe you read five a week, 100 a month, I don't know what your personal reading plan is for the Bible, 
we read this book. And this book is God's narrative and God's self-contained revelation to man. And it's the story of God. And we're supposed to be reading this book. We read the Bible. We should be reading it a lot. We should be reading it all the time. So that's the first way that we're supposed to engage with the Bible. The second way that we engage with the Bible is that we're supposed to memorize Bible verses. This is called just scripture memorization. We are supposed to be memorizing verses in the Bible to just help us draw closer to the Lord and help us in our relationship with him. Um, you know, um, Psalm 119, it talks about, you know, how we're supposed to know God's word. It talks about how God's word is hidden in our hearts. Jesus says in John 15 that his words are supposed to be in us, that we're supposed to be memorizing Bible verses. Now, I'm not saying you're supposed to memorize the whole Bible. That's impossible. Although, I did know a guy who memorized the whole New Testament. I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, it was not me, and it was not Tim. I can promise you that. But, we're supposed to memorize Bible verses. You know, we're supposed to have it hidden in our heart. We're supposed to have it in our hearts and in our minds. All right. Um, for example, when you, this is something that Jesus did, actually. When you read the story of Jesus being um, attacked and tempted in the desert by Satan... The way he combated and fought against Satan's temptation was Jesus could just, he knew Bible verses. He had them memorized. He could throw them out and defeat the enemy. So I'm just saying Jesus memorized scripture, and he was the Logos, the word of God. So yeah, we need to be memorizing scripture verses. Whether it's a single verse, maybe it's a couple verses, whatever it is, we need to know verses word for word. We need to memorize scripture. Now, the third way that we engage with the Bible is we meditate on Bible verses. Now, let me explain this one a little bit because the word meditation can kind of have a weird meaning sometimes for us. Like we can, the word's sort of been hijacked by like new age philosophy and Eastern religions. And so we can kind of have a weird understanding. But meditation is actually a biblical word. Jesus nabbed it first and it's been hijacked. So what meditating on scripture is, all it is is like just take a verse and you either say it in your, to yourself or you can say it out loud. But it's just saying a verse over and over again as a way to help you memorize it and kind of get it into your mind and into your heart. Joshua chapter 1, God's talking to Joshua and he says, you know, meditate on my law day and night. And if you, our verse in the bulletin from Psalm 119, the second half of the verse says, you know, how I love to meditate on your law. But we meditate on God's word. All right, we basically, I heard somebody describe it this way once. It's like you're talking to yourself, the Bible. That's what meditating on scripture is. And this is the primary way and the number one way that we really renew our minds. And what we want to understand is when you talk about meditation from like new age stuff or Eastern religions, that's all about emptying your mind. But when we meditate on scripture, we're filling our mind with God's truth. We're filling ourselves with the knowledge of God. And so... I'll tell you something, let me just throw this out there. If you're somebody that you really struggle with, like you always feel like your mind is racing, your mind's a battlefield, you want to know a great way to combat that? Start meditating on scripture. You will be amazed at how your mind begins to calm down. You will begin to be amazed how Paul talks about, he says in Romans 8, that the mind of the spirit is the mind of peace. So like meditating on scripture will just bring that to you. But we meditate on God's word, we get it into us. And let me say, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a second. Meditate on scripture. You do feel kind of weird talking to yourself out loud like a Bible verse, but that's what you do. 
That's how we do it. So I'll give you one example just to show this. My favorite verse in the Bible is Matthew 3.17. It's from Jesus' baptism. And Jesus, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water. And God the Father says from heaven to Jesus, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And that's my favorite verse in the Bible because that's how God feels about me. And that's how God feels about you. So what I would do, I've spent a lot of time meditating on that verse. I will just like, just for example, I'll just sit on my couch, close my eyes, I'll take out my Bible, all right, and I will just sit there like this, and I'll just say, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And I'll just do that over and over again. I don't feel all these butterflies, it's not some, you know, big, super spiritual hyper moment, but it's an amazing connection with the Lord, as I fill my mind and my heart with his word. So that's what meditating on scripture is. That's the third way we're supposed to read the Bible and engage with it. And the fourth way that we do this is we are to study the Bible. We study the Bible. Now, I think sometimes we think that studying and academic or, or academics in terms of the Bible is for some people, not all of us, but I really would encourage you, you know, you need to study the Bible and you need to get to know what's going on in it. Here's what I'm talking about. Like when you read the Bible, the Bible is God's inerrant, complete, infallible word of God. However, when you read it, there's a lot of cultural stuff going on. There's historical background. There's different things going on that you may not get just by reading the text. I'll give you an example. When you read the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, when they're in slavery in Egypt, and God visits the plagues on the Egyptians, God is bringing those plagues to bring misery upon the Egyptians so that Israel should be free. But... Part of what's going on is those specific plagues were a judgment against some of the different gods of Egypt. Now, you would never know that just by reading the Bible because it's not in there. That stuff comes from academic journals, what are called commentaries, and different biblical resources. So there was just some cultural and historical other stuff going on that you don't necessarily get in the text. Another example would be the parables of Jesus. Now, Jesus, he always taught in parables. He used these word pictures from everyday life. The parables Jesus tells, honestly, some of them make sense, and some of them were like, what in the world is he talking about? But Jesus is making everyday, normal, cultural references in their day and time. And for us, if you don't have like a background book or background information, it's hard to know what he's talking about. One example would be, um, Jesus talks about how it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, now, camel go through the eye of the needle. You might think that that means, okay, a camel, and you might think of a sewing needle. Well, yeah, a camel won't fit in through that little hole at the bottom of a needle. Not what Jesus is talking about. Camel going through the eye of the needle is talking about there were small doors in the wall of a city and they were, but camels had to get into the city. So they would have to, it was really hard for a camel to duck down and get your camel through. That's what the eye of the needle was. Does that make sense? That's something you would never know unless somebody else who had studied it and gave you historical background told you. So there's so much going on in the Bible and the subtext and in the cultural background that we miss. And if we will study the Bible, we'll begin to get those things. And I promise you this, as you begin to study the Bible academically, you will begin to be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that's what Jesus meant. I had no idea that's what I, Isaiah was saying. Another thing you can do in terms of studying the Bible 
and just hang with me on this one because I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's because I really, these were the worst two classes at seminary I ever took, but they were very helpful. It's really amazing if you can kind of begin to find some, I would say, helpful study tools to look at Hebrew and Greek, which are the languages that the Bible is written in. Now, I'm not telling you to go learn Greek and Hebrew because unless you like really hate yourself and you want to be miserable, then go for it. But there are books, there are online resources that you can begin just to read about the grammar, you can read about sentence structure, and you'll begin to see like, oh my gosh, there's so much more going on here at times than just the English translation gives you. You know, sometimes the English translation, it's usually pretty good, but I'll tell you this, like for example with Greek, you know, in English, we, um, our words don't have like a ton of definition, so to speak, like in Greek, the words, especially words that Paul uses, like they have like 25 different definitions. So there is so much more that Paul is saying than you might not get with the English translation. And so there are online resources, there are books, there are commentaries that will help you with the grammar. The point is we need to have an academic side to our devotional life if you want to get the most out of the Bible. And it doesn't really take a lot of study on your part. All you've got to do is kind of read what other people have done. You've just got to find the right tools and resources. And you will. You'll be like, wow, there's a lot more going on here than I realized. So that's what we do. That's the fourth way is that we study the Bible. And that's the fourth way that we interact and engage with it. So those are the four ways that we are supposed to interact and engage with the Bible that, so we can get the most out of it so that we can read it for all it's worth. We read it. We memorize it, we meditate on it, and then we study it. So those are the four ways. Now, with that being said, let me just ask you a question just for you to think about to yourself, kind of in your own life. Just for you to think about if you're a Christian. Just to kind of think about, okay, what does your, your life right now in terms of how often and how much you're engaging with the Bible, just to ask yourself and to think about how much are you actually doing that right now, you know? Are you reading the Bible every day? Are you in some different way interacting and engaging with it? Has it been a couple of days since you read it? Has it been a couple of weeks since you picked up your Bible? You know, I know some of you, for example, you love God's Word. You're in it all the time. You're going for it. It's great. Some of you are like, yeah, I read my Bible six days ago, and it was kind of by accident. I thought I had a to-do list in there, and I just turned to that page, and I just read a couple of verses. Some of you might be like, yeah, I don't even know where my Bible is. It, uh, it was a coaster on my coffee table, and then I think it disappeared to where half my socks go out of the dryer. I have no idea where my Bible is. Wherever you are, that's okay. Whether you're reading it all the time or you're like, I don't even know where my Bible is. I just want to make this point. It's so important that we always remember that the, God's Word, the Bible, needs to be a central foundational component of our life that we don't ignore the Bible, that we don't get lazy with it. And let me say, I've never known a Christian who didn't know reading the Bible was important. I mean, if I asked any Christian, they would tell you that. But life gets busy. Things get in the way. You know, if you've got kids, you've got soccer practice and ballet recital and PTA, and you've got a job, and, you know, if you're single, you've got a job and you've got responsibilities. And it's very easy, just in general, Life is busy, and when life is busy, the number one thing that begins to slide for all of us is our relationship with the Lord. It's not that we're forsaking Him. It's just, you know, I was going to get up early and pray and read the Bible, but 
I got to get up early and go to work. And it's just like our, our intimacy with God always is kind of the first thing that gets nudged out of the way. And within that, God's word in our life, it's the same thing. It ha- Let me tell you this. It happens to you all. It happens to me, and I'm a pastor, okay? I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian, so to speak. And I can tell you this. Life gets busy. Responsibilities come up. What's the first thing that gets nudged out of the way? My time with the Lord. And so I'm not pointing the finger at you, all right? I get paid to do this, and I'm not great at it. But we've got to remember, we've got to keep our intimacy with God and God's word specifically as a centerpiece, as a foundational part of our life. And so what I want us to do right now, and this is the whole point of this message today, is I want to give you the beginnings, not the whole thing. I'm going to give you some thoughts and some brainstorming of how you can really begin to better engage with and interact with the Bible. And so I'm going to throw out some ideas. We're going to go back through those four categories of methods of reading and interacting with the Bible. And then I'm going to give you some ideas. But the point of today's message is I'm going to give you the foundation, the starting points of a plan. And your homework is to go home today and this week and just to begin to think about, okay, what kind of Bible interaction engagement plan do I need to come up with? And for you to kind of flush that out and see how that works in your life. And so I just want to get you started. So what I want to do is I want to go back through those categories and just throw out some possibilities of how you can do all four of those types of engagement interaction with the Bible. So back to number one, we read the Bible. Okay, a lot of different ways you can do this in your life. You can choose to do a chapter a day. That's a pretty good way to do it. I would recommend at least two chapters a day, and I would specifically do this. This is just my opinion. Take it or leave it. I would recommend you always read one chapter in a gospel and then read a chapter somewhere else. The reason being, just for me personally, I always want to be reading about the life of Jesus. I want to get to know Jesus. And so I would just encourage you, read a chapter in a gospel and then read another book, whether it's an Old Testament book, a New Testament book, and so forth. You know, you could read four chapters a day. Let me tell you this. If you read four chapters a day, you will get through the Bible in a year. And if you've never read through the whole Bible... That'd be a great thing to do. All right, so that's just another possibility. Um, I knew a guy who, I have to be honest, I think he tried this and he quit pretty quickly, but he tried to read 16 chapters a day because he was like, I'm going to read through the Bible four times this year. And he was really proud of himself. And I was like, way to go. And I think about six weeks in, that was that plan had died. So like we talked about with tithing, maybe take some baby steps in terms of reading the Bible, but there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You know, you can read more than two chapters, whatever works for you. So just think about that. But the first thing we want to do, you got to come up with a way to read the Bible. I would also throw this out to you. If you're married, if you're not doing this, read the Bible with your spouse. Y'all come up with a plan together, you know. Come up with a reading plan where y'all reading the same things and y'all can talk about it and show what God's sharing with you. If you're single, find a friend. If you're in a Bible study, you got a neighbor who's a Christian, maybe come up with kind of this... uh, a group way to read the Bible together. Because you'll be amazed how much you miss and that they see, and vice versa. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years, there's so much in the Bible that I miss that other people see. And so it's a great way to just find, if you can find some kind of community, whether you're married or you're single, find somebody you might read the Bible with. So, read the Bible, number one. Secondly, memorize verses. Now, let me start just by saying, really make a realistic plan here. Don't try to memorize a verse a day. You won't do it. Your life's... If you have time to memorize a verse a day, 
you got a lot of free time, and I'm jealous of you. So I know life is busy, but, you know, just begin to think about, okay, maybe I can do like a verse a week. I think a more honest, realistic goal is maybe try to memorize a verse a month. Start there. In terms of what verses you want to memorize, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, and part of your reading plan, whatever, how much of the Bible you read per day, if you find a verse in your reading that you want to memorize, great. You can make that your memory verse. Also, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This feels so unspiritual, but it's just true. If you want to Google Bible memory verses, they've got tons of lists on the Internet of good Bible verses you can memorize. And, you know, if you're like, I don't even know where to start. Okay, ask Google. That's cool. They'll give you plenty of lists of really famous, important Bible verses. You know, I'll say this. I don't know if this is heresy or not. I don't think it is. You know, don't worry about memorizing every verse in the Bible. Like, you don't need to memorize when Paul says, say hi to so-and-so and send them my greetings. You know, I mean, you can memorize that, but you want to kind of memorize the more meaty verses. And so there are lists out there, so you can Google it, find them. That's just a way to do it, and just figure out a way that works for you. Okay, number three, in terms of meditating on Scripture. Um, just to begin to think about for you, okay, what is an honest, realistic time you know, I could spend towards doing this. Now, meditation and scripture memory are really interconnected. You know, like, when you're meditating, you're automatically memorizing, and when you're memorizing, you can't really do that without meditating, so they kind of go together. So you could use your list of scripture verses that maybe you Google or you find as you read, and you could just pick one of those and meditate on it. And I would meditate on it for a few days or maybe a few weeks. Just speak it to yourself and fill your mind with God's word. Um, don't rush yourself with scripture meditation. You, I would hang out on a verse for a while. You know, maybe start with like, okay, I'm going to try to do this for like two minutes a day and time yourself. I know that might seem kind of robotic, you know, but just kind of start realistically. Maybe like, okay, I'm going to couple twice a week, I'm going to try to meditate on the scripture for five minutes. Come up with something and, um, you know, just give it a whirl. And I promise you, meditate on scripture, you're going to begin to see your mind change and you're going to love it now lastly studying the bible okay i'm just going to give you some resources you can look up if you want to use them first off um you again google there's plenty what are called commentaries online which are certain scholars and theologians and academics have studied specific they've studied all the books of the bible and you can just pick one and you can read about the background historical information those are great to start with um, just you can Google commentaries. Um, one specific commentary set that I like is called the NIV Application Commentary. You can just order those off Amazon. Just pick one if you want to study the Gospel of John or Ephesians, whatever book you want, and it'll come to you. And as you read the book, just read through the commentary and just see what's going on in the background and see what you can learn. One specific resource I'll give you, it's called, it's a website. It's called seedbed.com, S-E-E-D-B-E-D. It's an Asbury website. Uh, that's where I went to seminary. And they've got great biblical study tools, commentaries. They've got Bible studies, individual books. I'm actually doing one right now on the Gospel of John. It's really great. So you can check out seedbed.com if you need some type of theological, academic commentary or book. But those are just some options for you to study. And so kind of run with those. Now, all of these suggestions, these are just suggestions. You can run with them. You can use none of them. You can use them and say, you came up with it. I don't care. You can do whatever. But just the point of today is for you to begin to put together a plan 
a biblical interaction and engagement plan in some form or fashion using these four ways to engage with the Bible. And I promise you this, if you can figure out a way that works for you to use these four ways of interaction and engagement, you really will begin to get the most out of the Bible, and you really will begin to read it for all it's worth. And if you will do these four things, I promise you, God's word will come alive like you never knew it could. And I promise you that this book, it will never bore you. It will never get tired of reading if you really can learn how to read it, interact, and engage with it in the way that God tells you to. So let me close with just this thought. It's kind of tied to what I just said. You will get out of the Bible what you put into it. That's just how it works. The more time you can give to it, the more you rely on the Holy Spirit, the more that you interact and engage with it, it will really come alive and open up more to you than you ever knew possible. But you will get out of it what you put into it. It's like anything in life. You know, you will get out of something what you put into it. And so just for you to realistically come up with a plan that works for you in terms of interaction and engagement with God's word. And so when you leave here today, just your homework is make a plan for yourself that works. Make for a plan for yourself that's realistic. Give yourself to it. And I think you'll be amazed at what happens. All right, let's pray.